0: It's great to have all of your numbers and your relationships in line and get that house in order, but you have to take that action when you are presented with the proper opportunity.
1: As a loyal Best Ever listener, you know that it's important that we as entrepreneurs focus on managing our time effectively, which is why we're always looking for ways to automate the basic duties of our business so that we can focus more time on our money-making activities. That's why I want to introduce you to Rentler.com. At Rentler, landlords and property managers can perform all their duties in one place. Rentler offers tools that allow you to automate tasks like listing a unit for rent, finding and screening tenants, collecting rent, and managing the maintenance requests. And even better, these tools are offered at zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash ever. That's T-R-Y-R-E-N-T-L-E-R.com forward slash best ever to get started today. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. With us today, Jack Haas and Josh Koth. How you doing, Jack and Josh?
2: Hey, it's great to be on your show. Doing well up here in the Upper Midwest. Summer finally hit. We're hoping it lasts more than a week this time.
1: Yes. Fingers crossed for me too. And by the time this episode airs, I think you will be nice and toasty. That's for sure. Looking forward to our conversation, a little bit more about Jack and Josh. They're the hosts of the real estate podcast called REI Rookies Podcast. They also have a company called Value Property Partners where their main focus is buy and hold single family homes and they do some things to acquire wealth to buy those properties like wholesaling and fixing and flipping. And on the podcast, they share their experience and lessons that they learn as they work towards their financial freedom and they interview others as well. So with that being said, you two want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus. Sure.
2: Basically, we were both in IT and we were cubicle mates. We sat across the aisle from each other and we would scheme how we could escape cube life. And we knew that passive income was a way to do that. We had both read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that kind of red pilled us. And then it was just a matter of finding out the method of how to do that. So all roads kind of led to real estate through our research. And then I was lucky enough to get canned with my whole team.
1: Congratulations.
2: Yeah, thank you. So I suddenly had had the time to go look at properties all day. So I started purchasing a few and then just built up a portfolio over the next six to nine months or so. And then Jack was watching from the cubicle and we decided to partner up and he just quit his job this year. And now we're both doing a full time and loving it. So that's my quick version.
1: Yeah. When you got fired you started looking at properties and buying them and built up your portfolio. Did you get a severance package? No, I actually drained my IRA. Okay. Fully red billed. So you got fired. Your income that's coming in from your W-2 job is no more. And then you decide to start investing money and buying properties. Do you have a significant other in your life besides your business partner? Yep.
2: She stays on with the kids though. So she wasn't making any
1: income. Yeah. I had a for a few years and
2: actually had another side gig as a photographer. So well, that's I, very lucrative. I'm sure. Yeah. Right.
1: Especially <laughs> this day and age. Right. So what was the conversation like with your wife when you're like, okay, I got fired. So we don't have any income coming in, but don't worry. I'd like to take the money that we do have and then spend it somewhere. Well, it's real simple. Actually,
2: I showed her a comparison chart of our average returns of the IRA over the last 20 years. And I said, if I was to pull all this money out and pay the taxes and penalties and invest it in real estate, assuming I think I used a 10 or 11% rate of return that I felt that was comfortable enough to guarantee that I would get. I had made up all the taxes and penalties within a couple of years. And then I had doubled, my projection was doubled by five years. And then By 15 years or so, it had quadrupled versus leaving it the money in. So she was pretty sold on that idea. Mm -hmm. She just is a cheerleader. She didn't really know anything about the business per se or want to be directly involved. But she supported me in that choice. That was all I needed to blast out of the chute.
1: (laughs) And Jack, what are your thoughts about this?
0: Well, I actually think that the team being laid off, I was on that same team and about two weeks Before the team got let go, I actually got a different role. Within the same company? Within the same company. So I actually think I took it harder than Josh. When I saw that whole team get let go, I realized that the corporate job wasn't as secure that I thought it was. Mm -hmm. And soon after that is when I bought my first duplex.
1: Got it. How long ago was your first duplex? When did that happen? It's been... Spring of 2016. So about two years ago, you got your first duplex, and now you two are partners. When did you two partner up? Basically, I had bought a few of myself. Jack
2: bought a few himself, and then we just kind of realized it would be smart of us to double our efforts. And you know, we totally believe in the one plus one can equal five, right? You just your accountability is there. Your efforts can be multiplied. So. We started buying a few together and and just have never looked back. And that was about a year and a half ago. So about nine months into the journey or so, we decided let's just partner up. And I think we've purchased every property in that company's name that we formed together ever Mm -hmm. since.
1: How do you divide up responsibilities?
0: Are things going to get
1: awkward? (laughs) 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 Well, I I I shouldn't have to do all this, but I do have to, unfortunately.
2: (laughs) Well, I guess we got lucky because we kind of entered into the partnership we knew each other fairly well, but you never know someone's true personality until you're trying to make a living with them. Mm -hmm. You can, like you said, get awkward, get ugly. So I think we both got lucky though, in that our personalities are, are very even keeled and we're both hardworking. So we just divvied up tasks. And as people were able to do them, we were both putting in the time. There was no question of either one of us putting in the hours and things were happening and deals were getting done and we're being successful. So, it hasn't reached the point where we've had to question anybody's motivation yet. So mm-hmm. yep. knock on wood, that doesn't happen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but specifically, what do each of you do? And if you need to use a deal as an example, i just like to know who does what.
2: We kind of both talk to sellers when we do direct marketing and things. We, we kind of almost split that up evenly. It's really, it's really kind, it's kind of, you kind of go out and find the connection. And if they bring you something, then you kind of take that deal to fruition. We don't really have things split up as far as one person does acquisition, one does disposition. It's kind of a blend. I have my contacts that people know me and they bring me direct referrals. We both respond to calls that come in through our direct marketing. We both will text our agent that we write offers on the MLS. It's kind of evenly split down the middle so far. And I think over time, we'll maybe settle into more official roles where we divide up the tasks.
0: I think what's really helped us is that we do have a CRM that keeps us all accountable and on track. So I know what deal he's working on and he knows what deal I'm working on, and it kind of works out from there.
1: So it's almost you divide and conquer based on deals, not necessarily specific responsibilities within each deal. Okay. What CRM do you use? REI.Solutions. Why do you use that?
2: It was just one that we did some mentoring with Matt Terrio from Epic Real Estate, and that was one that his team kind of, they teach how to implement and we're believers in not reinventing the wheel. And if somebody has something that they're working and they can get it implemented in our business quickly, then we just had them do it for us basically. So we didn't have to sit there and learn a CRM from the ground up. They just got it going for us and we just took off
1: running. How much have you two invested in mentoring? Oh, geez. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've gone to a couple of events and paid for mentoring traveled a couple of times or going to Indianapolis at the end of May here, I don't know, probably 50,000 total.
1: And how do you justify that from an ROI standpoint? Since we left there and paid for them to implement the CRM,
2: our deal flow at least doubled versus what we were doing on our own previously, if not tripled. In fact, we've done more transactions as of May 1st than we had all last year. So the proof is kind of in the pudding there. Mm-hmm. And it was a leap of faith though, because you don't think what kind of return am I going to get on this? But we didn't look at mentoring as an expense. We looked at it as an investment and we don't want to reinvent the wheel. So if there's somebody doing what we want to be doing, we'd rather just replicate their model and do it in our market. We're in the upper Midwest and far North Dakota here. There's not a lot of people doing the direct mail strategies and all the other things that are happening in bigger markets. So it was really a wide open playing field. When we talk to sellers, a lot of times we're the only one that's ever mailed them anything. So that's a good spot to be in, right? Mm -hmm. So not a lot of competition for off-market properties here.
1: And can you two talk to us about your business model?
0: I think we're unique in this market as well. We still get about half of our deals off the MLS, but the majority of them come through referrals. And Josh and I, part of that mentorship investment that we make is through joining as many networking groups locally as we can. Because we do, whether it is coming from a realtor through a pocket listing or somebody bringing a property to our attention, that's been one of our best investments so far.
2: Yeah, and our basic business model is we use private money to make cash offers with no contingencies on properties in order to get the deepest discount. And then we try to buy them cheap enough where we can go to our local regional bank here and do a cash out refi pay back the private lender with interest and pull out all the money used to acquire the deal and then just keep doing that over and over and that allowed us to go from one deal every few months to one deal a month to now several a month just cuz now it's just a matter of how fast can we purchase a property get the deed recorded do a cash out refi now it's just about streamlining the process and just increasing our conversion rate with sellers and just getting more marketing out there too to just get more deals in the front end of the funnel
1: sounds like in order for a listener to replicate this type of model, they'll need deals, they'll need private money, and they'll need a lender to cash them out. Any other major important piece of that puzzle that you'd mention? I guess
2: networking and just getting out there and telling everyone what you do and being part of as many like networking groups as possible, that's a big piece of it too. But I guess that just kind of plays into the lead, mm-hmm. Jan. But that's something that people can do when... They're getting started. That doesn't cost anything, right? Mm -hmm. You can go to Chamber of Commerce events, your local BNI, your Master Networks chapters. You can go attend all these events for free Mm -hmm. and just get your name out there and tell people what you're doing. So, you know, our podcast, we kind of focus on beginner investors and kind of journaling our journey from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we try to kind of boil everything down. So that's one way that people can really take action if they don't have a lot of money for marketing.
1: Any specific example where you've seen the chamber of commerce or meetup or something result in money profit to you?
2: Yeah. In fact, just last night when we were at our real estate investor, we don't have a RIA club in town here. So we took over the local real estate investor meetup group.
1: How'd you take it over?
2: Well, there was a different guy running it and we just became so active in it and tried to help out as much as we could that when he left to move to a different area of the country, he just asked us, hey, do you guys want to take this over?
1: Why would he ever want to leave Fargo, North Dakota? I don't understand. <laughs> for a lady. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. He followed love. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's even worse. No, I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> yeah. So it was for love. All right. Fair so enough. He, when he left and he asked us to take over, and it was just a matter of being in a position where we're so active that it was kind of an obvious choice for him to go to us. Because mm-hmm. he knew that we were passionate about it, and and we had attended every event, and we tried to give a lot of good value.
1: And how many people were regularly attend? That is it a monthly meetup?
2: Yeah, first Monday of every month. Yeah.
1: Okay. How many people regularly attend?
2: Geez, last night it was almost a record attendance. It was like thirty some. Uh huh. Yeah, we, we Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool,
1: cool. So anyway, I I interrupt you because I wanted to hear how you took it over. While we were there, I got a
2: text saying someone had accepted our offer on a house here in town and it was just another investor group that was moving up into multifamily and they needed the capital because there was, I think some syndication going on and they had the opportunity to buy it at a higher level if they could sell this last house they owned.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So actually they gave it to us at a great discount and that was directly as a result of just being in front of people because we didn't mm-hmm. get it through marketing. We didn't get it through any other paid source. It was just for being out there. And in fact, I think it was somebody we used to work with. It was a free marketing method, right? Just telling everybody what you do. And he saw that we were doing deals, gave us a shot at it. We made an offer and that was it. We accepted.
1: With your business model, you find deals where you can buy on a deep discount and then you buy those with private money. You then get a lender. After you close, you then get a lender to do a cash out refinance or actually just put a loan on it. So, what are the loan terms, and what lender do you use that allows you to? I guess it's just any loan. So, I guess they're not allowing you. But what lender? What I don't are the know terms? The name will, will help, just because it's a local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. If you want to invest in Fargo, North Dakota, then talk to these guys, and they'll tell you who their team is. Yeah, right. they're called Black Ridge Bank,
2: and okay. they're very investor friendly. The guy that we talked to, he gets it,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and he yeah. has the least amount of hoops that we've ever had to jump through talking to lenders. Yep. And then once you have a relationship built up, then it's just a point of we just send him, here's another one we bought. Here's the address. Here's the amount we like to pull out. And he knows that we're making good deals and they're going to be well within his risk tolerance.
1: And what is that risk tolerance?
2: Well, if we can get something typically in Fargo-Moorhead here, the tax assessed value will be about 10 to 15% below the market value of a property. So if we can buy a property for 80% of tax assessed value, he has no problem giving us that amount of money because he knows he's still a good 20 to 30 below market value.
1: Okay, that's pretty easy.
0: Important to note that this is something, a relationship that's been built up over the past two years for him to get this comfortable. But we've heard time and time again by other podcasts and training material, it's those local banks with that local, more intimate relationship that you're going to get this type of return and relationship built up. We haven't had a lot of success with the larger banks and corporations. Yeah, because they
2: do everything. They write everything in-house and make all the underwriting decisions in-house and they hold the loans. They don't sell them off. So Mm -hmm. they're not having to check a bunch of boxes that Wells Fargo or Bank of America would require you to do in order to sell the loan. And I think the terms are, I don't even remember, they're like 4 point something percent amortized over 20 years with a five-year balloon. Pretty typical.
1: Yep. On single family homes, the five-year balloon. Yep. And what are your thoughts on doing that type of loan versus 30 years? That
2: was just what was offered to us. So we didn't really have a choice. (laughs) But honestly, the average length, and we were just discussing this with him the other day, the average length of a loan in this type of situation is about three and a half years. Mm -hmm. So typically we'll have either sold it, maybe wholesaled it to another investor, sold it to an occupant or rolled it into something else rarely does the five-year mark ever get hit. And if it does, we just re-up mm-hmm. people tend to get scared of balloons. Like, Oh my God, I'm gonna have to come up with a hundred thousand dollars all of a sudden one day. And really that's not a reason to stop because it's a lot easier to reorganize debt that are on properties you own than it is to acquire a new property. So we'd much rather, it's not that we don't consider it a problem, but we'd much rather have that problem. If you want to call it a problem. Sure. I'm just reshuffling the debt five years down the road.
1: As buy and hold investors, how do you think about the five year time frame where you said you might just get a new loan, but I think you just said most likely you're gonna be done with that project. So how are you being buy and hold investors but being done with the projects within five years? You just never know what you're gonna do. Our mantra is if you buy it cheap enough, all exit strategies are possible.
2: So sometimes you need cash so you have to liquidate one or two. Mm-hmm. And we're not afraid to do that if we need to. And if we know we're going to hold it for the long, long term, eventually I'm sure we'll roll it into like a portfolio type of loan and maybe see if we can put together a package. And we've discussed with them that that's an option too. Mm-hmm. Say take 10 of these that we know are really solid. We're going to hang out of these long term and just roll them into a one longer term loan. That's an option too. So we've only been doing this for two years and like a couple months. So... <laughs>
1: are you going to create a management company? (laughs) I thought I'd be coy about it, but that didn't work. No, we have no problem
2: paying vendors for what they're good at and outsourcing things. So we just hired a local property manager to handle all the properties. And from day one, we figured that expense into each deal. And we have somebody locally here manage everything.
1: Based on your experience, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
2: I got one, but I'm gonna let Jack go first.
0: Well, I actually think my biggest one for me was get your mindset and know your numbers. I know that there's a lot of analysis paralysis around real estate investing, but we also find that in our group, people will do a deal for the sake of getting a deal done instead of understanding your numbers, staying true to it, and then strike when the iron is hot. It's great to have all of your numbers and your relationships in line and get that house in order. But you have to take that action when you are presented with the proper opportunity. The proper opportunity. The <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That was my
2: advice was to take action, even in the face of fear. I was just talking to a gentleman at our meetup last night and he said, he wrote his first offer and he was sick to his stomach. He thought he was going to throw up and it was an all cash offer. And then he, called the agent back and canceled it and said, I'm going write a conventional. I can't, I can't hang and can't sleep. And action will cure all those fears. Because mm-hmm. if he writes five offers a day for the next month, by the end of the month, he's not going to be queasy when he writes offers anymore. So I'd say no matter what, figure your minimum standards out that you want to get out of a deal and stick to that. Figure out what price you want to offer on each property based on that. And our mantra is the asking price is meaningless. We just figure out what we would pay. Mm -hmm. and just start writing offers like crazy. And that's the number one thing when I talk to people that are just getting going and they say, I can't find any deals. I say, well, how many offers have you written? They say, well, there's no deals out there. I say, well, you figure out the price you would pay and offer that and just do it consistently so many a day. And I guarantee you'll do a deal eventually. Mm -hmm. And if it's a true deal, even if you don't have the money raised, the money will come because people will want to be involved in a true deal.
1: On the money raise part, what terms do you provide to your private money people?
2: Well, what we say is, what would you need to be able to do this deal?
1: Seventy percent return in two seconds. Now, what terms do you offer? Sold. <laughs> oh, really? I'd like to do yeah. a deal with you. Then
2: you never want to volunteer your highest rate that you'd be willing to pay mm-hmm. right out of the gate because you might be leaving money on the table. So we just go in under the assumption that their money, if it's sitting there in a CD or some other type of underperforming investment, if we can double, triple that rate of return, and it's something that's secured by actual real estate, virtually no risk, we feel confident just asking. And in our minds, we have our upper limit that we would go to.
1: What's the upper limit? 12%,
2: like 1% a month is Mm -hmm. something that we would be comfortable paying for short-term use of money. Because really, we're just using the money for 30 days typically until we can get a cash-out refi done.
1: And in that case, do they, I'm using only in air quotes, but only make 1% on their money?
2: Yeah, like if we borrowed $100,000, they'd make $1,000 if we held the money for 30 days. God.
1: And people do that, huh?
2: Oh yeah, well, oh, all day long. Indeed. Well, and yeah. we
1: try to keep their money out in perpetuity. We don't say, "Here's your right."
2: Dollar. Yeah,
1: a hundred thousand make a thousand, but I don't know. Maybe my maybe my mind's skewed, but I just I wouldn't think that would be worth. The, well, that's one percent APR. Yeah, yeah, but it's one percent in reality. Yeah. Oh, but if they keep it and you just keep rolling it, okay, I hear
0: you. We have quite a few investors who they lend us a hundred thousand, but now we're just it's one deal after another. You know. Over okay. a year's time, I mean that's that's
1: yeah twelve percent's great
0: yeah and it's guaranteed it's exceeding
1: yep. what they're getting elsewhere, you just said guaranteed that was Jack, Jack, you just said that was guaranteed. Do you want another pass at that <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the one percent a month's guaranteed it's just a question of how much money do we have of theirs out at any one time
1: uh it's not guaranteed though if your business goes flat, if a hurt i mean hurt i don't know what what happened but. If the property goes away, and there's some scenario, I guarantee you, an attorney who's smarter than me can come up with where it's not guaranteed, no returns guaranteed in real estate. Joe,
2: that's scarcity mindset. We don't like to
1: think that way. No, it's legal. It's liability. It's not getting sued mindset.
2: It's not scarcity. Their Apple stock that they own could also go to zero too. So sure, there's
1: risk. It's much less risky than that. I'll agree with you on that. But there's no guarantee of a return, in my opinion. Maybe your attorney says otherwise, but I I do security offerings for our deals, and maybe my mind is just conditioned to approach it that way.
2: To never say 100% anything?
1: Well, no, just to not guarantee returns. Right. I guess we just haven't had that problem yet, so (laughs) knock knock on wood, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, we're going to do a lightning round. You two ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, cool. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You looking for a one stop landlording software that helps you create listings, find and screen tenants, and accept rental payments while managing maintenance requests? Oh, by the way, it's zero cost to you. Go to tryrentler.com forward slash best ever. That's T R Y R E N T L E R.com forward slash best ever. Want to build wealth through real estate but tired of dealing with tenants, termites, and toilets? Check out the Note Investing Academy. They'll teach you how to invest in the mortgage instead of the property with all the cash flow or appreciation you want and investing as actively or passively as you'd like. Use the code FAIRLESS at NoteInvestingAcademy.com for $500 off enrollment. Best ever book you've read?
2: The Cash Flow Quadrant by
0: Robert Kiyosaki. Yes. And I would say Traveler's Gift. Who wrote that one? Andy Andrews. What's it about? It's all mindset and it's actually kind of a sci-fi time travel. The person is about to experience death He goes through back in time and experiences different life lessons from historical figures.
1: Best ever deal you two have done that we haven't talked about.
2: One time there was a house on the MLS listed for 80,000 and I, ran the numbers and realized the only way to make a profit was if I got it for 30 and my agent laughed. So they'll never take that. And he said, do you want me to call the listing agency if they'll take that? And I said, no, put it in writing. Let's just take a swing at it. And the next day he called and said, dude, they took it. They didn't even counter. <laughs> so ever since then, any deal he does or any deal we do always in writing. Wow. The offer in writing. So that taught us a huge lesson and to always submit the offer. Even if you think there, there's no chance in hell, they're going to take it submit it anyways.
0: Yeah. and that's a good lesson to find that team member on a realtor side who's willing to have that steel cup
1: yes absolutely absolutely what's a mistake you to have made on a transaction sometimes
2: rehab creep is bad you think oh my camera spent 20 thousand on this to get this rent ready or to flip it and uh oh, well we're at it let's change this this next thing you know you're at 30 and then guess where that 10,000 is coming out of directly out of your profits. You got to remember, you're not living in the property. That doesn't need to be featured in Better Homes and Gardens. There's a limit where your maximum profit will be reached and don't exceed that. And we've done that a couple of times and you listen back and go, that hurt.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What's the best ever way you like to give back? I
0: actually have been volunteering at a youth entrepreneurship day. Oh. here in town and it's been great to I have my kids involved. So that's something that we, I really enjoy doing is uh, helping the kids have the right mindset right off the bat.
2: And I actually just got hooked up with Junior Achievement locally here and I'm going to go in and speak about entrepreneurship to elementary school and high school kids. And Honestly, we kind of do the podcast as our way of giving something back to investors that are just getting started it does help us too, obviously, because just talking about the material is helpful to us to just go through it all in an organized fashion, but that's kind of our way of giving back to newbies because we obviously don't charge for the podcast or anything. So,
1: And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you too?
2: Go to REIrookies.com. That has a link to the podcast and you can fill out the contact form and reach out to us on
1: there. Excellent. And yeah. All the podcast interviews are there and you can see joss juggling a house and a microphone and jack standing there with full confidence just kind of smirking at you like what's next buddy i love it (laughs) well i enjoyed our conversation thank you for being on the show for talking about how you two partner up how it's not necessarily a divide and conquer with certain responsibilities it's focusing on one person does one deal perhaps there's a little bit of overlap but that's one person is a primary point person for a deal and then you've got an entity where you partner up on with all the deals and how you do the business model finding deals that are cheap and then getting them under contract with private money and then having a local lender Put a loan on the property, you pay back the private money with their interest, and now you've got a long term rental. And then you got to decide what to do with it within five years either sell it or re up on a loan, or maybe eventually you'll put it under a commercial loan with portfolio loan. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you too have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. That was thanks, awesome. Joe. Want to build wealth through real estate, but tired of dealing with tenants, termites, and toilets? check out the Note Investing Academy. They'll teach you how to invest in the mortgage instead of the property. With all the cash flow or appreciation you want and investing as actively or passively as you'd like. Use the code FAIRLESS at noteinvestingacademy.com for $500 off enrollment.